Nowadays, there's stuff, and there's stuff you don't need to know. A podcast that talks about geek and nerd culture and brings you the things that you want to hear about. What's up, know-it-alls? You got stuff you don't need to know. I'm Jay. Let's get down to it. So Falcon and Winter Soldier just finished up on Disney+, and I'm going to talk about it today. But before I do talk about it, I just have a few warnings. First off, you know, shields up, red alert, spoiler warning. I mean, if you haven't seen this show, especially the finale, I am going to be spoiling it. So you have been warned. If you have not watched it, I highly recommend you do. Then come back and take a listen. So some of the other warnings that I'm going to be giving you is um, I want to give a trigger warning. So anybody that's watched this show, you really can't deny that, you know, this show discusses issues of race, um, American policy. I mean, it's kind of almost a, a reflection in a way of some of the things that are going on nowadays and... You know, I mean, to to say that this show doesn't do that, that it's just a straight up superhero show and that's it is, well, I mean, I think you're kind of, I hate to say it, I think you're kind of kidding yourself. I mean, there's definitely political overtones here and look, this show is not a political show. Um, you know, I'm not really looking to do that. Uh, I like to keep this show fun and friendly. It's a nice family show, but I mean, I can't really discuss this show without kind of discussing some of the politics behind it. Um things like Black Lives Matter and American foreign policy. So if these are going to be issues for you, you know, I, I just kind of want to let you know. And I think, you know, the third warning that I also kind of need to give is, uh, you know, if you're going to be listening, um, I tend to get a little bit emotional. I mean, I saw the finale a day ago and I did get a little bit choked up with it. And, uh, you know, even, even when I was kind of making notes for this podcast and thinking about things I was going to say, I got a little choked up, so that may happen. I don't know, maybe I've gotten it all out of my system, but you have been warned. I might get a little bit emotional. The voice might crack a little bit or something. Um, that's just who I am. But anyway, without further ado, let's talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Okay, so, you know, I'm not going to go episode by episode and, and discuss huge major plot points. I just kind of want to do an overview of the show and... If you listen to this podcast, you know in the past I've reviewed things like Batwoman and I reviewed Stargirl and I did go episode by episode. But I found um, when I went back and I looked at WandaVision, I said this, I found that when I was doing episode by episode, I was watching it, you know, as a critic, as a podcaster, and I wasn't really watching it as a fan. Um, I think I mentioned that not too long ago, I went back and I watched the first season of Stargirl. And even though the first time around when I was doing this podcast and, and you know, reviewing each episode on the podcast, yeah, I enjoyed the show. I enjoyed it so much better just watching it as a fan and not having to think about things like, what am I going to talk about? Let me take some notes, this and that. It's It was just kind of fun to sit back and watch the show. And same thing with WandaVision and same thing with Falcon and Winter Soldier. I will say this, though. You know, Falcon and Winter Soldier was six episodes long. Each episode was about roughly 45 minutes each. That first episode, ooh, I don't want to say that they almost lost me there. I saw what they were doing. I, I just kind of felt that that first episode got off to a bit of a slow start. 
um, I was like, okay, I don't know if they really kind of have their footing. I see where they're going, but I think they're, they're, you know, they're trying to climb the mountain, but I think they're kind of slipping on the rocks a little bit in that first episode. And um, like I said, I had no intention of just like saying, oh, forget it. I'm never going to watch this again. No, you know, I, I definitely wanted to watch the show and I'm really, really glad that I stuck with it. So when talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier, one of the first things I think we have to discuss is just who is Captain America. And by that, I don't mean, you know, was it going to be Bucky? Was it going to be Sam? Was it going to be Joe? No, no, no. That's not what I mean. I just mean, you know, as a character, you know, who is Captain America? And, you know, Steve Rogers is brought up throughout the show. And, you know, one of the things that's really kind of brought up is the fact that what a good man he really, really is. Baron Zemo, of course, wants to destroy all the super soldiers. And, you know, I'll be discussing Baron Zemo later. But basically, he does acknowledge that while he doesn't like the super soldier serum and the super soldiers that it produces, you know, he will say that Steve Rogers is the outlier. He is that exception. He was such a good man. It's kind of hard not to hate Steve Rogers. And that's what I think. I think, you know, when I say who is Captain America, you know, you have to look at Steve Rogers um, and what made him such an amazing Captain America. I think it's because, you know, he's unique because he has a strong moral compass. He fights for injustice and, you know, he, he fights for ideals that are embodied in the American dream, but he doesn't represent America. He doesn't represent the government, you know, he represents people. He fights for people. He has these, you know, ideals in him of, you know, fighting for truth and, and, you know, fighting injustice, things that are inherently part of the American dream, you know, freedom and, and, and ideals like that. But I mean, you know, if you've watched the MCU, I mean, when, um, when civil war rolls around, and basically, you know, the government and the governments of the world are like, look, we want to put sanctions on you. You have to kind of not bow down to us, but you you basically have to serve us. Steve goes, no, we don't do that. You know, and you would think you would think as a guy called Captain America, you know, he would he would get behind all that and he would, you know, get behind, the, you know, rally around the flag and this and that. But that's not who he is. You know, he like go back to First Avenger, you know, the movie First Avenger. And the thing with that movie is, is, you know, when the MCU started up, went and saw Iron Man and I started watching these movies and was very excited that, oh, they're going to put together the Avengers. And the film just before the first Avengers movie was Captain America, the first Avenger. And, you know, I had every intent to seeing it. I wanted to see it, but I wasn't, I wasn't as thrilled to see it because in my mind, I was sort of like, okay, it's going to be this 1940s rah-rah, let's go punch Nazis sort of, you know, it's like, yeah, I, I definitely need to see it. So I know what's going on with the Avengers. Um, you know, I mean, I knew who Captain America was. I read comics and, you know, yeah, yeah I liked Captain America, but I think the way he's portrayed in the MCU, and especially, look, you get a guy like Chris Evans who, I mean, the guy just knocked it out of the park playing Steve Rogers. Um, you know, that first movie that, you know, the first Avenger, it really boils down to that scene where Dr. Erskine finds Steve at, you know, that World's Fair or that Stark Expo, whatever it was, trying to enlist again for like the 20th time. And he, you know, he approaches him and he basically says, 
so you want to go kill Nazis? And Steve says, well, I don't want to kill anybody. You know, he's like, really? Then why are you trying to enlist? And he's like, I don't like bullies. You want to know what Captain America is? That's what Captain America is. Captain America doesn't like bullies. I, I mean, that's, you, you know, that's the nutshell definition of, of Steve Rogers and of Captain America. He's going to fight injustice. He He's going to fight for freedom. But like I said, he has a very, very strong moral compass, you know, and, and he says, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to kill anybody. Does he kill people? Yes, he does. You know, he's he's not, um, you know, a lot of people draw parallels between Captain America and, and Batman. And, you know, it's sort of like, yes, Captain America is an enhanced man, you, you, you know, the tactician, this and that and that code, you know, that code that you do not kill. You know, I mean, Steve, again, Steve isn't looking to kill anybody. If, if anything, if, if you watch all throughout this series, nine times out of ten, when he's in combat, he's looking to protect people. He's looking to protect his teammates. He's looking to protect people around him. He's never really looking to protect himself. If anything, he throws himself in harm's way. Even if he's going up against a foe, he clearly knows that he, he's outpowered or outclassed. He doesn't care. You know, he's he carries a shield, but Steve Rogers himself is the shield. Yes, you know, the vibranium shield is awesome. It does amazing things. It protects him. But Steve Rogers, Captain America himself, is, is that shield. That shield that's kind of defending the innocents, you know, against bullies. And that's really who... who Captain America is. And I think, you know, that the fact that he came from humble beginnings, he's just a kid from Brooklyn. And he, he says, it, you know, really the entire time again, throughout this series that he's really nothing special. I mean, the guy got a super soldier serum. He was doused with Vita rays. Um, he became enhanced and he still sees himself as that scrawny kid from Brooklyn that just wants to do the right thing. And I think, you know, that's the reason why, people follow him and 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 people really kind of cling to him you know again go back to first avengers when he's putting together the howling commandos and he sees you know bucky off to the side and he goes over to talk to bucky and he says to him you know are you ready to follow captain america and bucky kind of chuckles and goes no but i'm ready to follow that you know <laughs> that dumbass from brooklyn that doesn't know when to run from a fight that's the guy i want to follow that's who captain america is he's a dumbass from brooklyn that just doesn't know when to run from a fight um, and because of this, you know, because of all these qualities, again, this is why Steve Rogers could lift the, you know, Mjolnir. This is why he can lift Thor's hammer in Endgame. Now, just a little aside to that it has nothing to do with, um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier. You know, there's a lot of theories of when you watch, um, Age of Ultron, when they have the party and they're all sitting around and they're all like, you know, Hey, let's, let's try to lift Thor's hammer, you know, and you get all these kind of funny moments. And then it's like, all right, Cap step on up and it's you know very famous because he actually kind of causes the hammer to flinch it almost looks like he's going to lift it up and then thor for a second is sort of like whoa boy and then he tries again he's like nope, nope, can't do it guys can't do it so there's a couple of theories the first theory i don't subscribe to the second theory i do so the first theory basically says that you know he was almost he was almost worthy to to lift it and the reason that he couldn't was because um, up until that point, you know, he knew. He knew that Bucky had killed Tony's parents, but he wanted to shield Tony from it, so he he didn't tell Tony. And it wasn't until after he admitted that he knew that Bucky uh, had killed his parents, that's when he became worthy of it. 
No, I subscribe to the second theory. The second theory is, is Steve Rogers was always able to wield the hammer, but Steve Rogers was, <laughs> he's this guy. He goes up there probably thinking there's no way I could lift this thing. When he goes to lift it, he realizes right away that he can lift it. And, you know, that's why there's that little flinch. And he sort of stops himself. And then that part where he's straining and struggling to lift it, that's all an act. He always could lift Mjolnir. He just didn't want to show up Thor. And he didn't want to show off. I mean, that's who Steve Rogers is. That's why in Endgame, when he finally does, you know, lift the hammer and wield it, Thor says, I knew it. And, and it's, you know, we all knew it. We all knew that he was going to lift that hammer. And like I said, I believe from day one, you know, if Thor came down in Brooklyn in the 1940s and he sees scrawny Steve Rogers, Steve Rogers would be a little, you know, that Steve Rogers, he would be able to lift Mjolnir. All right. So like I said, look, this, this show is Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So let's start talking about the characters that were actually actually in the show. Um, and we're going to start with Sam, Sam Wilson. Now, first of all, Sam played by Anthony Mackie phenomenal and, and i just want to say that in this series you know um both sebastian stan and anthony mackie incredible incredible actors one of the worries i had with the mcu is you know especially after endgame you know we lost cap we lost steve rogers um we lost chris Evans. basically yeah he might make a cameo here and there you know but essentially we you know why people while people might say that robert downey jr tony stark is sort of like you know he is the franchise the heart and soul of, of the MCU was Chris Evans. And after Endgame, I was sort of like, oh boy, where are we going to go from here? You know, and, and, and up to that point, you know, I liked the character of Falcon and Sam Wilson, and I loved Anthony Mackie's portrayal. And again, I think Anthony Mackie, I've seen him in other things. I think he's a great actor. After this series wrapped up, I was like, okay, I don't have these worries anymore, you know, Anthony Mackie is going to do a kick-ass job as the new Captain America. And look, I set it up top, spoiler alert. Yeah, by the end of this series, you know, Sam does become the new Captain America. But let's kind of jump back. So this series starts off basically with Sam giving up the shield. And, you know, there's a lot of, you know, why did he do it? I mean, that's kind of for a majority of the show. Why did Sam give up the shield? Now, if you ask Sam Wilson, he'll say, well... You know, look, look at the shoes I got to fill. You know, I, I am no Steve Rogers. You know, I am not worthy. He felt that he was not worthy because they're big shoes to fill. Um, Endgame, Steve gives him the shield and he goes, it, it, it feels like it's somebody else's. And you know, Steve's like, no, it's not. It's yours. You know, Steve knew. Steve knew. I'm ready getting choked up. <laughs> um, Steve knew that Sam was very, very worthy. You know, I'm thinking, uh, I forget if it was the second or third episode when... Um, Sam and Bucky are kind of talking with the new Captain America, John Walker, and uh, I don't know why they did this to this guy. You know, John Walker's friend, Lamar, who was Battlestar. <laughs> I just, first of all, I love the scene because when he introduces him, when Sam's like, who are you? And he goes, I'm Battlestar. Sam's like, stop the truck. I'm sorry, <laughs> Bucky. <laughs> Bucky's like, stop the truck. <laughs> I, was, I, I was like, dude, I feel you right there. I'd be like, really? Battlestar? Okay. Um... But in that scene, you know, John Walker is talking to Sam and saying, you know, hey, come on, you know, you guys should join me, you know, hey, you know, he's almost trying to say, like, look, I'm the new Captain America. I'm trying to trying to get a thing going here, you know, and what would be better than having Steve's old sidekick and Sam is just like, I'm going to stop you right there. And I was the same way. I'm like, 
Falcon was never, he was never, ever Captain America's sidekick. Captain America would never view anybody as a sidekick. You want to know the relationship there? They were friends. That's what it was. You know, were they partners? Absolutely. But they were friends. You know, Steve looked at Sam as as his friend and again I'm, I'm starting to get choked up sorry guys you know you go all the way back to captain america the winter soldier when they first meet up um i'd often wondered about that you know i mean clearly in that opening scene when sam's jogging and steve is you know on your left on your left and you know at first it's sort of like okay he's out jogging on your left and then you realize that he's kind of you know he's, he's teasing sam a bit and he doesn't know Sam from a hole in the wall, but there there was something. There was something about it. And, you know, we could say that, you know, Steve knew the military connection. He knew that Sam was military. Sure, there's that. But Steve runs into soldiers all day long. It, it was something. It was just something that he just picked up on when he saw Sam Wilson that he wanted to meet this guy. And, you know, they became fast friends. And, you know, it's really, it's really, you know, in that scene when, you know, Cap is on the run and he and Natasha go to Sam Wilson and they're like, well, we need a plan. We need to expose Hydra. We need to stop these new deadly helicarriers. You know, Sam comes in and he kind of throws down his paperwork there with, with the Falcon program. And he's like, what's this? This is my resume. He's like, Captain America needs help. I'm helping him. And he's like, and, and this is something that Steve does throughout, again, throughout the entire MCU is, you know, I'm not asking you. I'm not, and he's like, no, you're, you're not asking me. I, I'm telling you, you need help. You need my help. I'm there. There's no questions asked. I mean, that's, that's, that's the friendship right there. You know, that's not a sidekick. That's not even a partner. That's, you know, that was his best friend. I mean, yes, Bucky is his best friend. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, Bucky is his best friend, but you know, Sam also just, I mean the two of them, it, it's, it's just right there. It's, it's absolutely amazing. But you know, like I said, getting back to why did Sam give up the shield? Like he says, like, look, I have big, feel- I'm just not worthy of it. But you know, my feeling was, and I saw, you know, and, and with a lot of the things I'm going to be talking about going forward, I'm going to reference, um, not directly. I'm just going to say it in general. But, you know, I'm going to reference a lot of content creators that I've seen on YouTube and TikTok, um, you know, black content creators, people, you know, different people of different colors, creators that would talk about this. And the feeling that I had is, is that, yes, you know, he, he felt that he wasn't worthy. And, and I think, you know, we could all kind of relate to that and understand that. I mean, again, like I said up top, Steve Rogers was one in a million. And, and to for anybody to think that they could just step in and be Steve Rogers, you know, was, you know, even Sam, as great of a man that Sam is, I mean, <laughs> you know, there's never going to be another Steve Rogers ever again. But I think deep down, subconsciously or even unconsciously he he didn't feel that he was worthy to do it because he suffered from what what you know is called imposter syndrome and imposter syndrome and i'm listen i'm not a psychiatrist i'm not a social worker you know i kind of looked the definition up i've heard it before so i'm gonna kind of give like like a general overview but it's, it's basically it's you know almost sort of like hearing all this negativity you know, either it's internal, it's external, and you start to believe it, you know, and Sam, in, on some level, believe that he's not worthy to be Captain America because he is black. 
you know, he, he probably also had the notion that a lot of people are not going to accept a black Captain America, but the, the, the imposter syndrome that he kind of suffered from is just years and generations of conditioning from white America that blacks are inferior and they should never try to rise above their station to say. And, you know, again, he, he never says it, but I think on an almost unconscious level, there, there is that bit, like, that's where some of that doubt comes from is that he, you know, in some way, shape or form, he kind of buys into, he buys into all that negativity. And I think he feels that, no, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy because I'm not Steve Rogers. I'm never going to be Steve Rogers, but there's that small part of him that also sort of, you know, and again, I think it's more on a sub or unconscious level, he actually believes that I, I can't do this because I am black. But the thing of it is, is, you know, by the time the show wraps up and Sam, you know, finally, you know, he he takes back the shield and he takes up the mantle of Captain America. I mean, like I said, when we lost Captain America at the end of Endgame and we lost Chris Evans, I was kind of like, wow, you know, the heart and soul of the franchise is gone. Well, I think we got a new heart and soul here in Anthony Mackie as Falcon. I'm sorry, I can't call him Falcon anymore as Captain America. And the reason, you know, the reason I say that is I think that much like Steve, he's a good man. And, and again, you know, it all goes back to that. Dr. Erskine, the day before the procedure, telling Steve, you know, the re we didn't pick you. We didn't pick you because you're the smartest or the biggest or the strongest. Obviously, you know, Steve was a scrawny guy. He was a sickly man. He said, we're picking you because this super soldier serum enhances everything about you. Yeah, you're going to get strong. You're going to get strong. You're going to get fast, endurance, healing factor, this and that. You know, you can't get drunk, Steve. Sorry. Um, but the reason we're picking it, picking you is because, you know, it enhances everything about you. And you, Steve Rogers, are a good man deep inside. And, and that's what he tells him. He goes, just promise me one thing after tomorrow, you will remain a good man. The procedure is done. You know, the little chamber there opens up and, you know, Steve Rogers comes out all buff and everything. Hydra attacks and Dr. Erskine is killed. And as he's dying, you know, he doesn't say it. He just, again, points to Steve's chest, telling him, you know, remember, be a good man. And that's what Sam Wilson is. Sam is a good man. Um, I find him to be—I find him to be very earnest. Um, he's highly moral. He's a very strong moral compass, just like Steve. Um, and just like Steve, I think he believes. You know, he believes in people. He believes in humanity. And for Sam, that's a hard thing to do, considering you know he grew up in Louisiana. I mean, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure, you know, he encountered racism pretty much his entire life and for him to still believe in the good of people after seeing all that it's 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 amazing i mean like i said he he like steve has a very very strong moral compass and i think too like where where steve started out from very humble beginnings uh scrawny sickly kid from brooklyn you know he 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 understood the underdog steve was always the underdog so he understood the underdog struggle. Sam being a black man in America, you know, he, he was living that underdog struggle from day one. And I think that's why it helps him relate to the common man. And I think that's why not just black America or, or, or black people across the world. I really feel that that's why people who are the underdog could look up to Sam. Um, it's why he understands the Flag Smashers. He does not agree 
with their actions at all. You know, he, he knows their actions are wrong, but he understands, he understands the outrage behind it. You know, he understands their struggle. And I think that's what it is, is, you know, when I talk about John Walker in a few minutes, like this is the big difference here is, you know, Sam realizes that the flag smashers are doing the wrong thing, but their reasons, like they have good reasons, but but their ends do not justify their means. And I, I feel like that's why going forward, Sam is going to be an amazing Captain America. And like I said, throughout this entire series, I think Anthony Mackie really stepped up his game acting wise. And that's why I'm really thrilled to see where the MCU goes forward here with Captain America. So like I said, look, this, this show is called Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So let's talk about the Winter Soldier. Let's talk about Bucky. So, you know, pretty much throughout this series, it's Bucky dealing with his PTSD. You know, he, he thought he died in World War II. He kind of wakes up to find out that he's being tortured and experimented upon by Hydra scientists, perhaps Russian scientists as well. And he's turned into the Winter Soldier. Now, as the Winter Soldier, he's forced to carry out these actions. You know, the the Super Soldier Serum is forced upon him. This vibranium arm, well, it was a metal arm. And of course, after, you know, uh, the events of the MCU and Wakanda becomes a vibranium arm, you know, all this is forced upon him, all the missions that he carries out, you know, he's, he, he was forced to do, but the sad part of it is, is he was aware the entire time, you know, it's almost kind of like, um, that movie get out, you know, where, you know, the real Bucky Barnes was buried deep, deep, deep down inside the winter soldier, you know, almost kind of like, you know, if, if you ever saw the movie Get Out, it's like almost kind of like drowning in this in this lake deep inside, you know, the consciousness of the Winter Soldier looking through the Winter Soldier's eyes and seeing every and knowing that, yes, his mind is being controlled, but it's it's still it's him that's doing it. And, you know, now that everything is said and done after, you know, Endgame wrapped up, now he has a chance to deal with this PTSD. And yes, in the beginning, he's kind of told, look, it's like it's a court ordered mandate. You know, you're you're this, <laughs> you know, you're you're this war criminal. And, you know, but your actions and, and the fact that you you have been reformed and we see later that, you know, he, he didn't just get a new vibranium arm in Wakanda. They actually broke him of that conditioning. Um, you know, we see the the Wakandan guard, the, um, the Dora Milaje, we see that, you know, they broke him of that conditioning. You know, so now here's Bucky Barnes and um, he's he's ordered into therapy to try to deal with all this PTSD. And he what it really comes down to is, is he realizes that it's, it's all about making amends. You know, his his therapist basically tells him, you know, make a notebook of all the people that you have wronged when you were the Winter Soldier and, you know, and make amends for it. And we see it in the beginning where he's not so much making amends. He's more trying to correct his mistakes. But by saying, but, you know, he, he kind of justifies it by saying that, you know, my name is Bucky Barnes. I used to be the Winter Soldier. I did, you know, whatever it is that I did to you was the Winter Soldier. That wasn't me. I'm here to make amends. But really what he's doing is we see it. It's like a... um a former Hydra senator, you know, somehow she escaped kind of like the purge of, of catching Hydra people in government. You know, he, he basically exposes her and, you know, that's, that's him trying to make amends. But then we see that he makes friends with a, an elderly Japanese man named Mr. Nakajima. 
And we come to discover that as the Winter Soldier, he killed Mr. Nakajima's son. I believe his his son's name was RJ. And it, he wasn't a target. You know, Mr. Nakajima's son was not a target of the Winter Soldier. He, he was an unfortunate casualty that got in the way. He witnessed the Winter Soldier assassinating some high-level official. And, of course, you know, Winter Soldier can't leave any witnesses at all. So we see that he's, he's trying to make amends, but it's, it's very, very difficult to do. And that's the thing is, you, you know, writing wrongs like that, making amends, you know, when you've wronged somebody and you try to go back and apologize and make amends that way, that's hard. And I mean, just saying that's hard is a complete understatement. You know, Bucky will charge into battle. Uh, you know, he, he he's almost kind of fearless in that way. And, and I'm sure, though, you know, going into battle there, there's always that level of fear. But Bucky will put that aside and he'll go out there and he'll you know, you want him to punch somebody, he'll punch somebody. You, you want him to fight the good fight, he'll fight the good fight. But the courage to actually face down somebody that he wronged and and in this case with Mr. Nakajima, I mean, he killed his son. His son was innocent. His son wasn't a criminal. He wasn't targeted by anybody. He was an unfortunate casualty. And, you know, to to face this man, this man who's so nice to him, he's, you know, you kind of get the impression when they meet is that this this is Bucky's only friend. At first I thought, you know, is this somebody he knew from Brooklyn back in the day? And, and now he's, you know, this this older man here. And, you know, this is how they know each other. It's just, no, Bucky befriended him and, you know, with the intent of making amends. But he couldn't do it because it's hard. It's hard to face that. It's hard to tell somebody, you know, I wronged you and I'm sorry because it's, it's you really have to bear yourself and you, you have to bear your soul. You have to un offload all that guilt, but you also have to be prepared for them to strike back. You know, they, they could forgive you. They could absolutely hate you. You know, you have to, you have to be prepared for that. And it's, it's really, really, really hard for him to do that. But this is why I think Sam and Bucky are great partners because remember what Sam does, you know, when Steve meets him way back when in winter soldier, you know, Sam is like, I used to do power rescue. Now I'm a crisis counselor. You know, I work with people. I work with soldiers that suffer from PTSD. In Endgame, you know, after the snap, Sam is gone. Steve steps in and he takes that role. He becomes that crisis counselor for just humanity where, you know, yeah, he's out there fighting the good fight, trying to hold everything together. But he's also meeting with people that were affected by the snap and just trying to help them deal with the day to day. This is why Sam and Bucky are great partners, because there's there's the scene where, you know, again, for most of the show, Bucky is constantly on him. Why'd you give up the shield? Why'd you give up the shield? Steve believed in you. Why did you give up the shield? And it gets to the point where Sam kind of turns around and goes, you know, what are you doing with this making amends thing? You know, oh, you're talking, you want to make amends and this and that, you know, and oh, how do I do this? And what do I do? Blah, blah, blah. He goes, you know what? You got to shut up and you got to do the work. You know, it's, it's, you, you, you can't wish it away. You can't hope it away. It's going to suck. It's going to hurt. It's really going to be hard to do. But you know what? You want to make amends. You, you want to get rid of this guilt that you're carrying around. You want to put this baggage down and go forward. Bucky, roll up your sleeves and just do it. You know, there, there's, there's, there's no easy way around it. You know, it's, it's simple, it's direct, and it's hard as hell. But, you know, this is what you have to do. Conversely, Bucky is the one that constantly pushes Sam going, you know, why don't you think you're worthy? Why don't you think you're worthy? 
there was the great scene where they kind of do the joint counseling together and it's kind of played for comedic effect, you know, like, ah, they don't like each other. Are they going to talk the whole staring contest thing? But, you know, Bucky really gets, you know, why'd you give up the shield? Why'd you give up the shield? He goes, why do you care, man? Why do you even care that I gave up the shield? What does this mean to you? And he says, it means this. This is what it means to me. You giving up the shield means that Steve was wrong about you. And if Steve was wrong about you, then he was wrong about me. And all this making amends stuff and everything is absolutely wrong. I shouldn't even be doing it because Steve believed in me. I mean, it, you know, to the end, right? That's what Steve would always say about Bucky, to the end. I mean, he fought for Bucky throughout that entire saga, you know, and Bucky still doesn't feel that he was worth it, you know, but the fact that Steve believed in him, that gave him a shred of hope that maybe I am worth it. But then when he sees that, well, look, look at all the faith that Steve has in Sam, I think that's amazing. I think it's great. Oh, Sam's throwing it all away. Oh my God, Steve was wrong. If he's wrong about that, he's wrong about me. And again, Sebastian Stan, amazing, amazing actor. You know, just seeing him as Bucky, you know, with all these scenes of introspection. Uh, I mean, I still think probably one of the greatest scenes in this entire series is at the end is when he finally does go to Mr. Nakajima's apartment. And, you know, Mr. Nakajima, you know, again, has no idea who he is and invites him in. And he says, you know, I I want to tell you what happened to your son. And, you know, it's it was the last name in his book that he had to do. I'm sorry, I'm getting a little choked up here. But it was the last name in his book that he had to do. And he realized that now, you know, he finally put that baggage down and he can now move forward. And, you know, again, this show started off as Falcon and the Winter Soldier. It ends up as Captain America and the Winter Soldier. I really can't wait to see where these two go next. So talking about the show, we have to talk about John Walker, about the new Captain America, now U.S. agent. First off, I want to say one thing. Wyatt Russell, the son of Kurt Russell, did an amazing job. Um, I had read and I had seen where because of the actions of John Walker in this with him killing the one flag smasher and with kind of his attitude throughout the whole thing, you know, that Wyatt Russell himself was getting death threats. Wyatt Russell is a great actor. To me, the mark of a great actor is not so much how do you play a hero. It's in a way, it's almost kind of easy to play a hero because we all associate with heroes. You know, we want to look up to heroes. And if an actor can kind of pull off some of those, you know, likability, like the likability part. Now, again, Chris Evans, uh, uh, Sebastian Stan, and Anthony Mackie, Anthony Mackie, these guys go way above and beyond. But with good writing and good acting, you know, you, you could pull off a hero. You could play a hero. The mark of a really good actor is play a villain. Because, we, you know, you tend not to like the villain. But the thing is, is a good actor will make you despise a villain um watch alan rickman as hans gruber or as severus snape i mean you despise those characters they're bad people oh they're the bad guys alan rickman makes you despise them um gary oldman in leon the professional or the professional um i don't know the character's name but he's that the crooked corrupt police officer the guy's a bad guy Gary Oldman, through his performance, makes you hate him. When I watched The Professional, I said to my wife, I said, I swear to God, if this guy doesn't die at the end of the movie, if if, if justice is not served to this man by the end of the movie, I'm going to be really, really pissed off. And I was very satisfied in the ending. But again, Gary Oldman's a good guy. 
you know, Wyatt Russell's a good guy. He's just really, really good at portraying a guy that's not so good. So, you know, let's let's lay off uh let's lay off Wyatt Russell, okay? But, you know, John Walker, the new Captain America. So the way I look at it is, you know, Steve Rogers represents what America's stated ideals are, you know, f- you know, fighting injustice and and you know, fighting bullies everywhere and fighting for the common man and fighting for freedom. John Walker is is closer to what America actually is. And what I mean by that is is America wants to do the right thing, but America will get its hands dirty to do the right thing. And I think, you know, that's that's who John Walker is. You know, there there's a lot that's been said about, you know, John Walker and and his portrayals Captain America and just really his portray his um character throughout the entire show. One thing I do want to say is as I I, I don't think that John Walker is an evil person. I think he's a decent person. I think he's a decent man. Um, you know, he has a set of morals, but his set of morals aren't on the level of a Sam or Steve or, you know, maybe even a Bucky. Again, like I said, he's that ideal of, you know, he'll fight, you know, he'll fight the good fight, but to him, the ends justify the means. So, you know, if he's got to kill somebody, he'll kill somebody where Steve will go out of his way to kill someone. You know, Steve is the protector. Steve is the shield. John Walker's the sword, you know, and it's like, I don't think he initially as Captain America set out to kill people, but when push came to shove, he was like, well, this is the only way this is getting done. This is the only way I'm going to advance my agenda is, you know, what? got to break some eggs, you know, you know, the ends do justify the means. And, and to me, that's the big difference between John Walker and Steve Rogers and John Walker and Sam Wilson. And again, you know, I, I I don't think that deep down he's an evil person. You know, I just think he's he's a guy that's he's driven by ego. He loved it. He loved being Captain America. He loved the pomp behind it. That's why he didn't he, that's why he didn't want to give it up. You know, I think part of him was like, I could do this job, I could fight for America, you know, I could fight for truth, justice in the American way. But he loved it. He loved being the superstar. Uh, he's a very emotional guy. I mean, we see it, you know, as as the toll of being Captain America. And, you know, and that's the thing is, is it's one thing to say, you know, he just wasn't up. He wasn't up to being Captain America. That's not an easy job. That's, you know, it wasn't an easy job for Steve Rogers. And it was not an easy job for John Walker. And it's not going to be an easy job for Sam Wilson to do. But the difference is, is the strain and the stress of it didn't take their toll on Steve. And I don't think it's going to take its toll on Sam in the way it did on John. It really wore on John and it wore on John really, really quickly. Taking the super serious soldier did not help that at all. Because again, it enhances all these aspects of you. He's a very emotional guy. I mean, to me, when second episode, when he was announced as the new Captain America, I saw a huge red flag right away. When he's waiting to, you know, pretty much be announced, I think it was on Good Morning America, he's back there with Lamar, who is his best friend. And Lamar says, you know, it's he kind of says something like, you know, it's a big time now, buddy. You know, you're going to learn that there's some problems you just can't punch your way out of. And I'm like, okay, whoa, hold up, rewind. There's some problems you can't punch your way out of anymore. 
tells me that that's John Walker. That's been John Walker's solution up until that point is if he finds himself in a situation, well, I'm just going to punch my way out of it. I'm not going to think my way out of it. I'm not going to rationalize my way out of it. I'm not going to try to have a dialogue. I'm not going to try to debate. When all else fails, the punches are going to start to fly. And I'm like, that's a, that's a bit of a, that's a, that's a, not a bit of, I mean, that's a red flag right there. But again, you know, in the end, I don't think that he's necessarily a bad person. I think, you know, this term gets thrown around a lot, you know, um, gray. He falls into that gray category. You know, they have discussions. You know, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, as, as I've told you guys. You have your light side Jedi and you have your Sith or your your dark side Jedi. And they're saying, well, there's 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 a group there in the middle that are kind of ambiguous, like they're gray. They're the, the, the gray Jedi where they have a code, but that code, I don't want to say that code is flexible. I think it's like a John Walker type thing where he wants to do the right thing. But a situation will come up when, you know, he as Captain America would say, like, people are going to have to get hurt. I'm going to have to hurt somebody to advance my agenda where Steve or Sam are going to go out of their way. You know, hurting somebody, killing somebody is their ultimate last resort. I mean, you see it in Winter Soldier when he has that final showdown with the Winter Soldier with Bucky where he's just like, I'm not going to fight you. I am not going to fight you. In the finale here of Falcon and the Winter Soldier, when Captain America, Sam, faces off against Carly, you know, he he tells her, he's like, I'm not going to fight. She's like, fight me, fight me, fight me. You know, he's like, no, I'm not. Like, I want to help you. I mean, this woman threatened his family, threatened his sister, threatened his nephews. I mean, you know, for me, you could be a really good person. You could have a strong moral code, but you, you, you come after my family. I'm sorry. You know, bets are off. The gloves come off. Sam is not going to fight her. Sam is going to help her. Again, he does not like her methods. He totally disagrees with her methods. You know, he, he understands what Zemo is saying when he calls her, you know, a supremacist. He gets that, but he's like, you know what? It's still... It's coming from a good place. I understand her struggle. Her struggle needs to be brought to light and killing her is not going to help. You know, she has to be brought to justice. Yes, but she also has to be listened to. You know, we got to stop her from fighting. We got to stop her from killing. Yes, she has to be punished for what she's done, but she should be heard because the points she makes are absolutely valid. And, you know, that I mean, it, it's absolutely amazing. And that's a huge difference between Sam and between John. So, you know, I've talked about Baron Zemo. And, you know, when the trailer for the show came out, I was like, oh, boy, Zemo's going to be in it. Uh, you know, I didn't think much of him in um, in Civil War. And I was sort of like, okay, um, hmm, here he is again. First of all, uh, the actor's name, I believe, is Thomas Brühl. He's German actor, so I probably mispronounced his last name. I do apologize. Fun fact on him. Um, in the German version of uh, Cars, Lightning McQueen, he is the voice of Lightning McQueen. So Baron Zemo did the voice of Lightning McQueen. It's You could actually find like a YouTube of it. It's, it's actually kind of funny. But I was like, okay, Baron Zemo. Okay, yeah, he knows about the super soldier serum. Like Bucky's like, this is why we're gonna break him out of jail. He he knows about it. He could help us track it down. So, pretty much with him is, you know, he's he's chasing after 
supremacists. You know, we know his whole deal. The Avengers come to town and, you know, not intentionally, but end up destroying Sokovia, you know, his homeland where he actually was a baron there. And he says, you know, this is the problem is, is like, look, you, you got to have law and order. But once you kind of step past that, once you enhance that, you know, and I think it's he just doesn't mean superheroes or super soldier serum. You know, he you could really kind of take his argument to mean like, hey, why are we giving local police, you know, military grade, grade equipment? in small sleepy towns and things, you know, we're giving them anti-terrorist equipment when they're in the middle of Iowa, what terrorism are they going to expect? He's, that's what he's fighting against is, you know, you got to have your law and order. He absolutely believes in that, but you can't go past that. You can't enhance that. And he says, once you start doing that, once you start giving power to people, they're going to take it too far. You know, like he says, the super soldier serum enhances people. Well, you know, he says the people that want to take it, have supremacist ideas and taking that serum will now enhance those supremacist ideas. You know, he totally admits that Steve Rogers is the exception. He will admit that. And when it comes to Bucky, he's like, well, nobody offered it to him. You know, it was forced upon him. He had no choice. So in a way he kind of gives Bucky a pass. The question does come up. Um, you know, he does ask Sam, you know, would you take the super, you know, if you had a ch- I don't know if it's him or if it's, you know, but Sam is asked, you know, in this series, would you take the serum? And right away, Sam says, no, he's like, no, I wouldn't take it. And it's pretty interesting because I, you know, I thought about it myself, you know, if there was a super soldier serum out there and it was offered to me, would I take it? You know, and thinking about it, I don't know if I would answer as quickly as Sam. I think I would have to think about it for a second or two. I would also have to decline it. And, you know, the reason I would decline it is, is yeah, it's going to enhance me. I'm going to become strong. I'm going to become fast, my endurance and and all this and that. But, you know, I, I know that kind of like a John Walker, I'm a bit emotional. Um, my anger can get the best of me, especially again, if it's, you know, something directed towards my family. I've had my daughter on the show. Um, my daughter is transgender. She is a lesbian. She's a member of the LGBTQ plus community. Any kind of hate directed towards that really gets my blood boiling. And if I had some enhanced serum in me, that means that it's really going to get me going. And, you know, I hate to say it, you know, I, I might pull a John Walker, you know, I, I would hope I would have their strength to hold back and not kill somebody, but I would probably lay a pretty serious beating on them just because, you know, I, I do get very emotional with those things. So knowing that about myself, no, you know, as much as, as much as it would be cool, to be a superhero, to, to have powers, I'm going to take a pass on that. And, you know, this is like what Zemo is saying. This is what he's like fighting against is, you know, there, there might be people like a John Walker who probably has some good intentions, but they also kind of have some other agendas going on in them. And that's really going to be made worse by, by the super soldier serum or any other kind of power out there. And that's, you know, his whole deal. That's what he's fighting against. And not for nothing, that one scene um, in, in Madripoor with him dancing in the club, oh, I could watch that every day. I love going on TikTok and watching different cuts of it with different music. Um, 
him dancing in the club. And then when he, Sam and Bucky are going to meet the doctor that recreated the super soldier serum. And it's like a slow-mo walk through like this shipping container and all the different songs. And he's in the lead and all the different songs that go with it. I just, I could watch that all day long. Absolutely love it. So the last character I want to talk on the about on the show is Isaiah Bradley. Um, so Isaiah Bradley, we find out is, you know, he was the black captain America before Sam Wilson. If you want to know more about who Isaiah Bradley is, uh, there was a, a limited series that was put out called Truth, Red, White, and Black, uh, which is basically Isaiah Bradley's story. It's slightly different than what we saw in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, in the comic, it actually takes place during World War II, um, where the idea of Captain America is kind of, you know, most people think it's just in the comic books. Like, they don't realize that there really is a Captain America out there, but... Isaiah Bradley, who actually, you know, he he gets experimented on, you know, forced on, you know, um, just like we see on the TV show. And he basically, he's the only one to survive. He basically becomes this Captain America. And he's given a suicide mission to destroy, like, the Nazis' own super soldier program. He's a comic book fan, and he kind of puts two and two together. He's like, wait a minute, the stuff that this Steve Rogers Captain America guy went through, I went through, whoa, you know, this is kind of almost like a cover-up. There's a real Captain America out there. So here on the TV series, um, we see that it was actually the Korean War. He actually did face off against the Winter Soldier, almost beat the Winter Soldier. And then he basically, you know, there were some men in his unit that were captured. They were also enhanced like he was. And he was the only one who escaped. And he heard that, you know, the the, the military was going to basically firebomb it because they wanted to destroy that facility. Plus hide all the evidence that they had been experimenting on black soldiers pretty much like against their will or, or without their knowledge. And Isaiah Bradley was not having that. He went and rescued them. And, you know, as a big thank you for his service, he was pretty much locked away for 30 years. Isaiah Bradley is played by Carl uh, Lumbly. And if you ever watch Supergirl, um, Carl Lumbly actually played Marin, who was John Jones's father, who, you know, that's back when I used to watch Supergirl. Marin was an amazing character. And, and I love this guy. He, he did... Um, he did an incredible job as Marin, and he did an amazing job here as Isaiah Bradley. And, you know, I, I think really, you know, aside from being probably the most tragic story in the MCU, um, you know, the fact that he was, you know, like Sam said, you know, there, there was a black super soldier all this time. We never knew, you know, he he served his country, country admirably and was rewarded by being thrown in prison for 30 years and losing most of his life. A couple of things about Isaiah Bradley's character that were really important to the show was, first of all, it, it was, again, to show that parody, that disparity between, you know, a black Captain America and a white Captain America. So think back to First Avenger, the first time Steve sees any action is is when he hears that, you know, there's a, a military unit that's being, you know, held as prisoners at a Hydra facility. Among them is Bucky. He's like, we got to go there. We got to get them. And, um, you know, um, General Tommy Lee Jones there is like, uh, no, we're not doing that. And he just goes ahead and does it anyway. He basically disobeys orders. And yes, he rescues all these soldiers and he's basically giving a pat on the back. And we could say, well, he did a good thing. 
He disobeyed orders, but you know what? Look, you know, we, we actually see that he could be an effective soldier and he, he saved all these lives. That's great. Then you look at what Isaiah Bradley did. He essentially did the same thing. He disobeyed orders and he went and he rescued innocent men, soldiers, his comrades. And his thank you was, you know, I think they said that, you know, whatever survivors of the super soldier program there were, were killed. And Isaiah Bradley was thrown in jail where they continued to do experiments on him because, again, they wanted that super soldier serum. And then we have John Walker as Captain America, who pretty much in front of the world kills a flag smasher and essentially gets a slap on the wrist. (laughs) Um, Yeah, he's court-martialed. He'll never receive his benefits. Uh, You know, Isaiah Bradley disobeys orders and rescues soldiers thrown in jail for 30 years. John Walker kills somebody that we can kind of say is a terrorist, does it in front of like the entire world. I mean, mercilessly beats this man to death with his shield. And it's like, you were a bad boy, slap on the wrist, take off the costume. It's, it's, you know, and I think that's kind of the big, you know, the big thing that Isaiah Bradley's story kind of goes to show, you know, and he's also, he's also like, like I said, like Sam had that doubt, like I cannot be Captain America because I'm a black man. And Isaiah Bradley's there to tell him, yeah, exactly. That's right. You know, he's, he's that doubt. He's that doubt um, that Sam has. And even when Sam does become Captain America, again, Isaiah is sort of like, yeah, that's great, but it's not going to work. And it's not until the very end when Sam kept his promise of, I'll make sure people never forget you. When they go to that Smithsonian exhibit about Captain America, there is a special section that Sam had them do to honor Isaiah Bradley and to give him recognition. Something that's also very interesting about it is, is that we see that Isaiah lives with his grandson. Now, his grandson's name is, is, is never said, but in the credits, you know, he's credited as Elijah Bradley. So in the comics, Elijah Bradley, Eli Bradley, goes on to become Patriot, who's sort of like the Captain America for the the new Avengers or the young Avengers. And he has a couple different origin stories. I think one of them is actually he either has an illness or an injury and he receives a blood transfusion from Isaiah. And it's like that's his way of getting the super soldier serum. And that's how he becomes Patriot. So, you know, we already had... Over in WandaVision, we had the Maximoff kids, you know, Wiccan and Speed there. You know, now we possibly have Patriot. You know, I'm really wondering down the road if they're going to have a Young Avengers. I mean, there is going to be a Miss Marvel TV series. Now, traditionally, Miss Marvel is not in the Young Avengers. She's actually in the Champions. But... They could be setting this up. And and again, you know, we'll, we'll kind of talk about things like that, setups and, and whatnot. But, uh, you know, in the end, just as he, Sam convinced himself that he is worthy to be Captain America, you know, he finally wins over Isaiah and Isaiah realizes that, yeah, this could actually happen. And it's, again, you know, the finale was an amazing finale, full of action, but I mean, I think really more full of emotion than anything else. So a couple other things in this series, uh, you know, we see the return of Sharon Carter and not for nothing right away when they went to Mandrapur to try to find the power broker. I was like, yeah, I have a feeling it's going to be Sharon Carter. I don't understand why. Why are they doing this? Did they have something else in mind? And they kind of threw this in at the last minute. But yeah, Sharon Carter is the power broker. She's basically, you know, after the events of the show, she is welcomed back into the U.S. government. And it's like, hey, you can get your old position back. And she's like, that's great. That's all I ever wanted. And we see that she's going to be like a double spy or a counter spy, whatever. Uh, I was kind of like, 
Why? Why Sharon Carter? Yes, you know, she was wrong. She was wrong by her country. You know, she helped out Steve and Sam. And because of that, she was basically declared a war criminal and she had to flee. And yeah, that's going to leave a bitter taste in your mouth. But she's the niece of Peggy Carter. I kind of thought she was made of stronger stuff than that. Um, yeah, I was trying to say that, okay, in Winter Soldier, you know, she's working for S.H.I.E.L.D. and then she realizes that S.H.I.E.L.D. has been infiltrated by Hydra all this time. Yeah, that can kind of throw you for a loop. But I, I don't know. I, I kind of don't know where they're going with that. Val, this, you know, Julie, Julie, Julia Louis-Dreyfus, um, Elaine, basically. Um, Elaine shows up and, you know, it's like, okay, who does she work for now? Um, you know, does she work for herself? Is she working on behalf of somebody else? I don't really know her very well from the comics, but apparently she's going to almost kind of become like a Nick Fury, but she's going to kind of operate in that gray area, which is why her and John Walker, I think if they are going to pair up, if she, if he is going to work for Val, yeah, you know, that kind of makes sense. They kind of see things the right way. Uh, we see that Baron Zemo is taken to the raft. And the raft is, uh, you know, that prison out in the middle of the ocean we saw in um, Civil War. That's that's where they, you know, kind of kept Captain America's crew there for a while uh, until Captain America came and rescued them. And the thing is, is, you know, it's it's basically it's basically a super villain prison. Now, in the MCU, there's a team called the Thunderbolts, which is basically it's named after, you know, you know, General, you know, Ross, Thunderbolt Ross, Thaddeus Thunderbolt Ross, who's basically like the MCU version of the Suicide Squad. Uh, Baron Zemo is a member of it, too. And the thing is, is the Netflix TV shows, remember those, Daredevil and Jessica Jones and all that? Well, they're still considered canon. And uh, I know that from Luke Cage season one, his villain Diamondback did end up in the raft. And did Jessica Jones, is it... Is it the White Tiger? Um, but basically, you, you know, she ends up in there as well. And, you know, are they also setting up that? Are they sending up, setting up the Thunderbolts? Is Val working on the behalf of Thunderbolt Ross? Is she just going to run it herself? Or is this something completely different? I mean, I think it's pretty interesting ways to go. But again, looking back at WandaVision, you know, I think, you know, I said this when I talked about WandaVision. I think that we looked at that show and tried to read so much into it, almost like, you know, looking for Easter eggs and I don't want to say spoilers, but looking for, you know, through ways and plot lines and everything. When, like I said, at the heart of it, all it, all that show really did was introduce us to the Scarlet Witch. Wanda really had never been the Scarlet Witch up until that point. Now she is. We kind of teased the idea of a multiverse and Wanda as a Nexus being. This show is just a, like, there's a new Captain America. And it's Sam Wilson. And I, I mean, they did a great job of doing it. I mean, it touched on a lot, a lot of things. But, you know, if you're going to look for, you know, all these, you know, where are they going from here? And what did this mean? And what did that mean? I don't think look too deep. Just take away from the fact that we now have a new Captain America. He's Sam Wilson and he's going to kick some ass. Guys, thanks for listening. Do me a favor. Head on over to Instagram. Stuff you don't need to know is there. I post pictures about the content I talk about. Know it all. Thanks for listening. I'll talk to you guys later. You remember when you were young and you wanted to say the